0: This week, SVB leads regional bank meltdown, Diamond Sports Files Chapter 11, WeWork, Diebold, Odyssey, Mull refinancing, restructurings. Hello and welcome to the Reorg podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm David Zubkis. It's Friday, March 17th. It was a busy week in the suddenly distressed world of regional banking. SVP Financial Group entered Chapter 11 on Friday in the Southern District of New York with an estimated $2.2 billion of liquidity. SVP Capital's funds and general partner entities as well as broker-dealer SB Securities are not included in the Chapter 11 filing and continue to operate in the ordinary course, the company said. SVP Financial Group also said that it will use the bankruptcy process to assess strategic alternatives for SVP Capital, SVP Securities, and the company's other assets and investments, and that the bank's pre-petition strategic alternatives process had already attracted significant interest. First Republic received $30 billion of uninsured deposits from a consortium of banks to help shore up liquidity. The company said that deposits would have an initial term of 120 days at market rates. Leading up to the deposit infusion, First Republic said that it received $10 billion in increased short-term borrowings from the Federal Home Loan Bank at a rate of 5.09%. First Republic said that it is focused on reducing its borrowings and evaluating the composition and size of its balance sheet. We initiated coverage in the bank earlier this week, breaking out the company's asset base with loans making up 80% of investments as of December 31st, 2022, and loans related to residential real estate making up 60% of all loans as of December 31st, with the majority of loans originated from 2020 through 2022 when mortgage rates were at multi-decade lows. On Sunday, March 12th, Signature Bank was closed by the New York State Department of Financial Services, which appointed the FDIC as receiver. According to a statement by the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC, all depositors of Signature Bank will be made whole. However, shareholders and certain unsecured debt holders will not be protected. As December thirty first, twenty twenty two, the bank's digital asset deposits totaled seventeen point seven nine billion, or twenty percent of total deposits. WeWork, Dybold, Odyssey, and FXI Holdings round out this week's list of potential restructurings. WeWork Inc. announced that it has entered into a series of agreements with an ad hoc group representing over 60% of the company's public bonds, a third-party investor, and SoftBank's Vision Fund 2, which will provide the company with an improved and sustainable balance sheet. The ad hoc group includes funds and accounts managed by King Street Capital Management LP, funds and accounts managed by BlackRock, funds and accounts managed by Brigade Capital Management, and other leading financial institutions. Diebold disclosed the company is facing near-term liquidity needs and has approached lenders to discuss a going concern waiver, the immediate solutions to achieve temporary incremental liquidity and long-term considerations regarding its capital structure. The company's liquidity has been pressured by slower than expected conversion of inventory into revenue. Fourth quarter 2022 and January 2023 results below expectations, IBL be borrowing base availability below expectations as non borrowing base entities constrain the base, and significant supplier payments since the transaction support agreement implementation. On Odyssey's call to discuss fourth quarter 2022 financial results, management said that over the last several months, it has been working closely with its board of directors and advisors to evaluate options to manage its liabilities. Management stated that before the second quarter, the company plans to approach its lenders to explore refinancing opportunities. FXI Holdings, a Radnor, Pennsylvania-based maker of foams for beddings, automotive seats, and medical products, faces a 2024 bond maturity that it may struggle to address in light of its worsening financial performance. The One Rock Capital-backed company has experienced declining sales and EBITDA and is losing cash as higher inflation reduces demand for bedding products, while rising mortgage rates and slowing demand from the auto industry have also hurt the company. On Wednesday, March 15th, FXI announced a debt exchange offer with the support of holders of about 78% of the 7.875%. Secured notes due November 1st, 2024. For this week's in court coverage, we take a look at Diamond Sports Group, Certus Simmons, and Mitel Networks. On Tuesday, Regional Sports Network operator Diamond Sports filed for Chapter 11 in the Southern District of Texas with a restructuring support agreement supported by 34% of first lien lenders, 69% of second lien lenders, and 57% of unsecured note holders. The RSA plan would leave first liens unimpaired via as yet unspecified treatment, give 92% of reorganized equity to second liens, and 5% of reorganized equity and warrants to third liens and unsecured note holders. Front and center in the case are DSG's negotiations over rights agreements with sports leagues and sports teams. Debtors obtained all of their requests of first-day relief, including cash collateral use at an uncontested hearing on Thursday. However, the debtors also traded tense remarks with Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association with the MLB's lawyer's warning that his client would swiftly return to court if the debtors failed to live up to any contractual obligations. On Monday, Judge David Jones extended the automatic stay imposed in the CERTA cases to the priority term loan lenders who benefited from CERTA's 2020 up-tier exchange transaction. By extending this stay, the judge put on ICE non-bankruptcy court up-tier exchange litigation filed against the PTL lenders by the lenders left out of the transaction. The plaintiffs had argued that they should be able to continue their lender-versus-lender lender suits in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. Absent settlement, Judge Jones is expected to rule on the substantive merits of the litigation as part of CERTA's bankruptcy proceedings. On Tuesday, a group of non-participating CLO lenders sued Mitel Networks and lenders that participated in the company's October 22 non rata up-tier exchange transaction in New York State Court, seeking a judgment invalidating the transaction and damages for breach of contract tortious interference and fraudulent transfer. The plaintiffs call the exchange a brazen breach of the company's first and second lien loan agreements and assert that the amendments required for the transaction could not be adopted without their consent. The suit opens yet another front in the fight over up-tier exchange transactions. This week, we initiated coverage on home market company Redfin and published highlights from the first hearing held by the newly formed House Financial Services Subcommittee on Digital Assets, Financial Technology, and Inclusion. Redfin's ability to address its future debt service needs and liquidity hinges on the success of the company's ability to reverse a recent trend of growing cash outflows. The company has a history of operating with very tight to negative free cash flow margins, defined as adjusted EBITDA, less interest, tax, capital expenditures, and networking capital. Near-term obligations include a $23.5 million maturity due in July that could be funded with $114 million of housing inventory that the company has stated would be sold, albeit at a loss. Liquidity was $362 million as of December 31st. Further debt maturities include a $519 million unsecured convertible note maturing in October 2025. At this week's hearing by the newly formed House Financial Services Subcommittee on Digital Assets, Financial Technology, and Inclusion, Lawmakers discussed Silvergate Bank's voluntary liquidation and debated whether crypto assets should be separated from the mainstream banking system. Legislators also aired their views on the jurisdictional turf war for regulating cryptocurrencies between the Securities Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Top Red Stories this week included Breaking the Bank Holding Company, The Extraordinary Power of Bankruptcy Code 3650. The New York Primary Review, Scott Roberts of Belvedere Direct Lending Partners discusses direct lending with New York's Patrick Fitzgerald. Reorg York Primary Review, Chris Maloney talks Silicon Valley Bank, Mortgage Bank Securities, and the Fed's options with Reorg's James Holloway. Litigation coverage, in up-tier plaintiffs argue supermajority consent of pre-transaction note holders required for exchange, suggest court disregard new notes for consent calculations. And now here's Kate Thomas from New York with The Week Ahead.
1: Hi, this is Kate Thomas. And here are some highlights from the week ahead. Starting us off on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern is the highly anticipated first day hearing of SVB Financial Group, which was the hold co of the artist formerly known as Silicon Valley Bank. As of recording, only the petition and a few notices were on file. So while I can't say much about the first day relief, I can tell you that Reorg will be live blogging the hearing. Also on Tuesday, the Celsius network debtors will be in court to get approval of their bid protections for planned stocking horse Nova Wolf. The bid protections include a breakup fee of up to $5 million and expense reimbursements of up to $15 million, both of which are the subject of several objections. The debtor's settlement with custody account holders, as well as the proposal to reimburse employees who cooperate as witnesses, are also on the agenda. Wednesday is the Avaya debtors combined hearing to approve their disclosure statement and confirm their plan, which reflects a fully consensual deal with all creditor groups. The plan implements the restructuring transactions contemplated by the debtors restructuring support agreement and would reduce the company's total debt by more than 75% according to the debtors. Thursday, the endo-debtors will be back in court for a hearing on their amended bid procedures, as well as their motions to extend exclusivity and set bar dates. At last week's status conference on the global settlement resolving objections to the 363 sale case strategy, the debtors said that they would file settlement documentation and an amended stocking horse agreement ahead of Thursday's hearing. Last up, The Voyager debtors are scheduled to be in court on Thursday, seeking approval of their stipulation with the FTX Group debtors, along with the FTX and Voyager Official Unsecured Creditors Committees. The stipulation provides a framework to resolve the contested $75 million loan claim and preferential transfer adversary complaint of Alameda Research against Voyager. An order approving the stipulation was entered in the FTX group case on March 8th. That's it for this week's preview. Have a great week and back to you, David.
0: Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the Rearg.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday.